appreciate that music. I believe that's when he cometh. And uh, it sounds very much like a pipe organ, but it's uh, it's not a pipe organ now, is it? I am reminded of a time I was at a Methodist church in Lexington, and uh, there was a pipe organ and lots of pipes, and Bishop Robert Morgan was preaching, and I was I knew Bishop Morgan. He called me Danny. I forgave him for that, but he was uh, preaching away, and he was receiving very interesting responses from his message. And people laughed, but he didn't say anything funny. A lot of things just didn't go the way he usually expected it. They were really jovial, and he was wondering what it was all about. So when the service was over with, I went and spoke to him as we were shaking hands, and I said, you did know that on the, at the organ pipes in the back, there was a little rodent walking around there. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I have no expectation of how you'll respond to my message, but if you're laughing a lot, I know it's him. I know he's doing But he's not a little rodent. Please open your Bibles to Joshua 10. Joshua chapter 10. I haven't spoken here for a long time, and the, the way it was is we were in the middle of a series, and we had gotten through Joshua 9, and so this is the next in that series. This is Joshua 10, and we'll start with the first verse. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I, and all its men were mighty. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, I ask that you speak through me and into the ears of all the people here. Have us hear what you want us to hear on this Sabbath day. Amen. Amen. Well, the chapter before this one, the ninth chapter, highlights a group of cunning men from a place called Gibeon. And they carved a unique deception in order to save themselves. And I think some of you might remember this, how they had pretended like they were from a very far away country and they wanted to have a covenant with Israel and be their friend, when in reality they were living just practically next door. And Joshua and Israel should have consulted with God about making decisions like this of a binding nature but they did not. However, this experience did serve to teach them a little wisdom about seeking God's counsel before making decisions of a binding nature. And we can learn this too, to always seek God's counsel when we're going to be making decisions. And so now the Gibeonites were their new friends, and they were of a servant class uh, of people for Israel. They were water carriers, they were wood choppers and wood carriers, and they were kind of servants. Well, this chapter before us today, chapter 10, uh, starts with a proposed conflict between the same servant class of people and five evil kings. Let's read on now, third verse of Joshua 10. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piran, king of Jemuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debur, king of Eglon, saying, 
come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, who were the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. Now Joshua 10 verse 6 says, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua, that means they sent a, a messenger to Joshua, at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. It's not all the kings of the Amorites, but just the ones in the mountains. Now, these kings were enemies of God. And they were worshipers of pagan idols and among those Joshua and all the warriors of Israel were consecrated by God to destroy. And now Israel is put to the task regarding their new friends. Would they abandon them or would they come to their rescue? So we're going to read on the seventh verse now. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them, a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came up upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a the great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Machedah. And it happened, verse 11, and it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Well, in this situation, as we're analyzing it, we see that by staying with the God of Isaac and of Moses and Jacob in full obedience, God would help them accomplish their task. Amen. And their task was actually God's task. And the warriors took their swords and swung them at the idolaters and chased them and watched as God went to work for them by casting down a big frozen balls. I would like to say water droplets, but they were much bigger than water droplets. Big, big balls of, of ice passionately upon the enemy. Now, it must have hurt. And they died. Let's read on now. Joshua 12, uh, 10 verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of, the, of Israel... Now listen to this. This is something very interesting. He says, Son, stand still over Gibeon and move in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Asher or Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has not been a day like that before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Amen. What a story that is. 
waiting to tell you the story. It's a pretty brief story, but it's a very interesting one. Many scholars, I think they're wrong, Bible scholars say that it was probably just some kind of a, a uh, space light show, you know, uh, burning things that are going by and lighting up the sky. But that couldn't be because he also stopped the moon. Uh, but the sun stopping is pretty exciting. I agree with that. And it seems to be mentioned in the book of Job, as is the drying up of the river Jordan. Job twelve fifteen declares, if he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the earth to be speaking of the great flood as well. And then Job 9, 7 says, He commands the sun, and it does not rise. Now, whether the sun stays up or down depends on where you are beholding the phenomenon. And what about the book of Jasher? What is that? Well, it was an ancient Hebrew collection of songs celebrating famous people and events of Israel's early years. And it is mentioned in 2 Samuel 1, verse 18. The book has been misplaced, yet there is a forgery floating around. My guess is that the person who misplaced the book has written the forgery. Let's go to Joshua 10, verse 15. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Machadah, and it was told Joshua saying the five kings have been hidden in the cave at Machadah. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Now you remember how come that Israel is in this city where they are. This is the place, Gilgal, where they had camped the very first night being in Canaan. They had crossed over the River Jordan and and they had, uh, one member of each of the tribes was uh, assigned by Joshua to carry a river rock on his shoulder and they all went all the way to Gilgal and then Joshua took them and piled them up there and they were piled there for hundreds of years. It's a symbol that God keeps his promises and they were inside the promised land. And that same night they ate from the promised land for the first time in their lives, and manna stopped. So that's kind of putting you in perspective of what's going on here. They uh, then took the city of Jericho and the city of Ai, and uh, then uh, we are just about ready to continue on here. Now, the Bible, you know, is not a Hollywood-composed miniseries, but sometimes it seems like it is, and many accounts in it have interesting side stories. The strategy for these five kings saving themselves was completely unlike those uh, that of those who had only recently accepted a status of servanthood to Israel. And these five kings, these men led by King Adonai Zedek, went after these servants to kill them. And God actually honored Israel's covenant with them and took down the aggressive armies. Let's read some more now. Uh, the next verse, the 20th verse. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities, and all the people returned to the camp, to Joshua and Machadah in peace. 
No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, king of Hebron, king of Jarmuth, king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. Drum roll. What's going to happen next? Well, this is a very interesting story. Joshua 10.24 says, So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Now I understand that this is kind of a symbol of humiliation. You take these warriors who were kings who fought that they would win this battle and you lay them down and your own captives put their feet or their, their sandals on the necks of these guys. Now, I do not know very much about these five kings. I imagine we could study the Bible and find some more things about them. But their leader, the king of Jerusalem, has a mysterious name. And also, this is the very first place in the Bible that Jerusalem is mentioned. So Hebrews 7, the New Testament script, speaks of Melchizedek, or we could call it Melchizedek, to help us understand here, king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. Genesis 14 shows him giving bread and wine and blessing Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abram of God Most High. This is about Melchizedek, who was called priest of the Most High and king of Salem. In this story of battle against the armies of these five kings, we read about their, le- later, their leader named Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem. Salem is often referred to as the city of God and city of peace. And Jerusalem is often referred to as the new city of God or new city of peace. Psalm 76, which Steve read for us, I believe, sings of God being known well in Israel. In Salem is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. After a forced night march and a successful battle, Abram's forces were able to free his nephew Lot and family. On their return, Abram is is met by Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, which through this psalm is identified with Jerusalem. So were I, Joshua, probably understanding much of the available scrolls of that day, they did not have all the Old Testament, they didn't have any of the New Testament, if I were him, I might be hesitant to prosecute a king of New Salem with the name of Adonai Zedek, which means my Lord is righteous. Why would you do something like punish him? In times past before this, guy had this name and was in Jerusalem, there was a monarchy in Jerusalem with a king with a very similar name, and he was probably a more righteous man. Let's read on some more now, 25th verse. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees and they were hanging on the trees until evening. 
And so it was in the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. Well, we don't know if they remain there today, but the writing of the 10th chapter of the book of Joshua. So, uh, what happened here? Well, these five kings who were of the world, they were not of God, they were God's enemies, they hid in a cave until the fighting was over. And Joshua found out about it, so he had stones put up against the opening in the cave to trap them inside. And the battle ended in victory for Israel. The sun and moon started moving again, and the stones were taken away from the entrance to the cave. Now, he had his captains put their feet on these kings' necks as they were forced to the ground. And then Joshua himself killed them and assigned them to be hung in five trees until evening. But perhaps the moral of the story, I've been wondering what that might be, is this false follower of God with the name of my Lord as righteous. It represents the lies of this corrupted world in which we live today. If you trust in their power to save, you will die with them. Jesus said, if you see, if they say he is here or there, do not believe them. For as the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We are to make a separation between the fallen nature of the world and God's perfection, which we want in our own lives. Amen. 2 Corinthians six fourteen says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So in this killing of Adonai Zedek, Joshua was attending to his own soul. He had a habit of getting up before his men and, and praying to God. So he had a relationship with God. So through this prayer and meditation with God, that allowed him to see this king for what he really was, a false king of God's city in the future. And we, in our day, we must stay close to God enough to see who is the imposter. Isaiah identified the imposter when he said, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. Amen. Isaiah 14. Well, let's finish the chapter. Joshua 10, 28 says, On that day Joshua took Machadah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Machadah as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Machadah and all Israel with him to Libnah, and they fought against Libnah. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. I'm glad I'm just reading about it. I wouldn't really want to be him doing all that. 
Let's go to the 31st verse here. Then Joshua passed from Libnah and all Israel with him to Lachish, and they encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day and struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libnah. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until he left him none remaining. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. They took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he had done to Lachish. Wow. Now, there's so little to read to finish this chapter, even though the rest is sort of a repeat of this. I think it would behoove us to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter. So I'm going to do Joshua 36, and then the 40th verse kind of sums it up. So let's, I'm going to read this now. So Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron, and they fought against it, and they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword, its king, all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Deber, and they fought against it. Then he took it and its king with all its cities. He struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Deber and its king as he had done also to Libnah and its king. Oh, wow. I can hardly read it. How would you like to be in those battles? So here we sum up verse 40. It says, So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country and the south, and the lowland and the wilderness slopes, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. Now this is not to say that Joshua took all of Canaan, but in this uh, area that they're talking about, the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time, because the Lord of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. The conquering of evil in Canaan was never complete. For Israel herself did not stay true to God and his law, Uh, But Israel did repent several times and became blessed once again. And I think what also happened was Israel got tired of fighting. And I think they just kind of didn't want to do it anymore. And they paid a terrible price because of that. The people of God are not to worship Israel or their obedience when they had obedience or the history of Israel. God's own peculiar people are to worship God and him only. Amen. And worship comes in many forms, including obedience to him. Remain true to him and receive an abundance of living and a new life that lasts eternally. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. We're sitting here, we're anticipating the second coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We were talking about that today in Sabbath school. We have no clue how it's really going to be, but it's going to be awesome indeed. 
Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. And He has gone away to build a special place for His faithful ones. And who has promised to come back and take us to this new promised land. Jesus in our hearts and minds, teaching others about him, helping others in need, and speaking to him as he gives us power, we are made prepared to meet him in the air. Pray with me. Our Father, I know how you spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And I know you have now spoken in these last days to us by your Son. You have appointed him heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of your glory and the express image of your person, and upholding all things by the word of your power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at your right hand where resides your majesty on high. Father, we have much to ask you for, and we have much to thank you for. We, by ourselves, have not even breath, but you have given us breath. We, by ourselves, have no salvation, but you have given us salvation. And we, by ourselves, could never know the truth, but you have given us the way and the truth and the life through. Yeshua in the Bible that shows us these important things. And just now we do ask you to stay with us in the terrible moments soon to come. We need not fear while you are with us. And no matter what comes to us, we know you will protect us from the evil one. Father, guide us and save us. Join with us in our weakness. Make us strong in you. Make your name be holy. Feed us when we are hungry. Help us to forgive others as you forgive us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.